You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. We are back in studio for another episode of Tigress, and we're going to get real just like we always do, Um, and I have a very special guest with me today. Something I've talked about on the podcast a lot before is being really upfront with y'all about working through the toxic girl boss era of my life. And I'm still a recovering girl boss, and I don't mean that in like a positive way. I mean that in a like I am working through a lot of the, you know, unhealthy hustle culture and systems and um, ego that I think was present when I got into my career in 2014, which was like 2014 was literally when all these articles about, you know, glorifying girl bossness were coming out. And so we've talked a lot about that on Tigris here, right? Talking about kind of coming to a point where we're prioritizing self-care and um, we're giving a deeper look into the authentic lives of female founders like behind the scenes. And my guest today is actually probably the most consistent person in my life who has really seen the behind the scenes of my journey with like girl bossness, but also like finding my own healing, like working through a lot of trauma, Um, starting new companies, um, getting out of, you know, bad working relationships. And that is Jelena. So Jelena, welcome to Tigris. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Do you want to tell the story of like how we met and who you are? Yes. Okay. So we met, what year was it? When you were in your first year of Harvard, right? Yeah. So we met in 2017. It was your first year at Harvard. It was my last year at Wellesley mm-hmm. or second. Yeah, it was my last year at Wellesley. Mm-hmm. And there, 
<laughs> there was this Facebook group. It's so dated, like by the technology and everything. But there was this Facebook group, like Sad Asian Girl or something. Sad Asian Femmes. Sad Asian Femmes. Yeah. This Facebook group, Sad Asian Femmes. And I think I, I don't know, maybe you had posted something in there about period or something. And then I, you know, looked up period. I saw the stuff you were doing. I was like, wow, this is so cool. I feel like one of my skills in life is like knowing who I want to be around and then just like going for it and being like, Hey, like introducing myself. Um, and like trusting that I attract like the right people into my life. And, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, (laughs) but I saw like you and about your work. And then I just messaged you on Facebook (laughs) and I was like, Hey, like I'm Jelena, like I'm a filmmaker. Um, if you need any video work, like, let me know, like, let's hang out. (laughs) And then, um, we met up and then you're like, actually, I'm planning like you're like, actually, no one knows this, but I'm planning on running for office and I really need a campaign video. So then I directed your campaign video. Then it went viral. And then we did like that, that thing for Lunette Cup. And then yeah. after, you know, I graduated from college and then I got this film fellowship that was in New York and you were still at Harvard in Boston. And I was like, can I make a documentary about you? <laughs> And so I guess to introduce myself, my name is Jelena Keen Lee, and I'm a filmmaker um, working across documentary, commercial, and narrative. And I have an all-woman of color production company that I co-founded, which is called Break Tide Productions. And I mean, first of all, it is really crazy to think that like we're in 2022 right now. And I ran, I announced the campaign February 2017. So like we just passed our like five-year friendship anniversary. We should do something for our friendship anniversary. Yeah, we really should. We need to like, <laughs> really well, should. first of all, Jelena just moved back to New York City too. So like now we really can do something. Yes. But I think that taking it back to five years ago, like, you know, and I've talked about this before on Tigris, like at the point I decided to run, right? It was spring semester of my freshman year. I was working like six odd jobs, right? Whether it be the nonprofit. Remember I was working at the yoga studio and I was like cleaning floors. I was like working in the musicology department as a research assistant, like all these odd jobs to like make money. And also just like, you know, I had gone through this breakup. um, And I remember like seeing you a few days after I had this, like another, you know, one of six breakups that it took for my high school relationship to end. And like, I mourned a lot of that with you. And then I think I threw myself into the campaign and through the campaign, but then also right after when we started filming for the short documentary period, girl, like you were with me through that. And like, we traveled together too, and we met up in different places. But so for me, I very much was in my like, very exhausted, not sleeping very much. I mean, you also captured on film and like would kind of call me out too of like, if anything emotionally like challenging was happening, I would just work. I would like pull up my laptop and work until really late at night. But like tell us and I mean me and the audience here, like where were you in your life? Like beyond filming that, right? You were also starting a new company through this process and working on other documentaries. Like what was your relationship with work at that time? I was also, I think, in my girl boss era. (laughs) And I think, honestly, you taught me a lot, um, I mean, of positive things, too, about, like, specifically how to advocate for my worth. Because I think in the film space and in the documentary space and just as, like, a woman of color artist, no one taught me how to, like, demand to be paid more money, except you, honestly. And my co-founders, you know, it's something that we've all worked on together. And I think that's why it can be really helpful to have like co-founders and have a company because then it feels like you're not just advocating for yourself. You're also advocating for other people, but seeing the way that you, and 
it's so funny because I remember at one point when you had a lot of Instagram followers, you were like, remember how when you met me, I had like 1,600 followers. And I was like, wow, I do remember that. And even like when, you know, maybe your numbers weren't giant, like the way that you advocated for yourself and demanded your worth was like very inspiring to me and a really important lesson. Um, and something that like we say within my production company is that as women of color, it's redundant to doubt ourselves or sell ourselves short in a world that already does that for us. Mm. But I think the pressure of always like believing in yourself so much, always feeling so certain can also be really, really hard. And I kind of feel like in that phase, I was just like, go, 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 like get it done. Like Nadia is going to LA. Like we're going to figure out a way to go to LA, like all this stuff. And I mean, many things came together by like many small miracles, I feel like. And um, I mean, you were really young. I was also young, but I kind of felt like I was like in a almost big sister like relationship with you. And so because I had like those outside eyes, I was honestly, I was really worried about um, just how long you would be able to sustain that pace of life. Um, because I mean, you weren't really sleeping. Like it would be event after event after event. Like it, the short documentary is available online if anyone wants to watch <laughs> it. And I remember in it, you talk about like we're in your bedroom at Harvard and you're like, oh, um, I haven't been here in weeks. Like I'll be in class for two days and then I'll be going this place this weekend and this place next weekend. And just the travel schedule was insane. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder what would have happened if COVID didn't happen to like force us to be in one place physically. Like when COVID first became a thing and it was this two week window of incubation, two weeks, like that was for the pace of life that you had, especially, but me kind of as well, like in relation yeah. to you, like two weeks was an eternity, like two weeks, you could have been in like 10 cities in that time yeah. based on that pace of life. So it's, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder like what would have happened if, if there hadn't been COVID. Yeah. There was also like, you know, pre COVID literally right before COVID, um, like 2019, that was also the year, like 2018, 2019 was the year, like I was coming to New York a lot for Juve Consulting, which, you know, was this Gen Z marketing company I was working with. And it was when like, I didn't have an apartment in the city, but I was always coming here. And I remember telling you about how, like, if I needed to come to the city for like a couple nights and I didn't have a place, I would like either hook up with a guy and like literally stay at their place or I would like sleep in Port Authority bus station and then so suddenly your apartment in uh, like out in Bushwick in Bedside uh, in Bedside yeah. became like where I would go. And so literally maybe I, there were probably months where I came like maybe once a week mm -hmm. and I would come and I like get in at 2 a.m. on the bus at Penn Station and then take the A train all the way to your place. And I would like get in like really late at night. And then I would probably wake up like the whole apartment and all your roommates with my alarms that I always slept through because I was so tired. And then I was always late to all the meetings and the shoots. Like, do you remember we had that shoot for things? And like we were two hours late and we were, they were like, just like, oh, are you going to get here? And we were on the subway like, yeah, sorry. Uh, you know, we slept through our alarms. Like we were just, I just think back <laughs> on that, that point of our in our lives. And like, I mean, I was definitely sleep deprived. And I also think that like, it's interesting because I think that this is also when 
your career was taking off too, right? Like it wasn't just period girl and like getting this fellowship, like you're working on standing above the clouds and like going to Hawaii to film this thing. I feel like break tide was also, you know, getting off the ground. You were bringing in these like larger projects. Yeah. Right? And a lot of them involve travel too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've learned so much about, and I feel like you have too, of how to, and this is something I'm still working on, but like how to build a team of support around me. Because mm-hmm. the thing about that time is we were both doing so much stuff by ourselves. Like it was just me being the entire camera crew. And yeah. it was just you doing everything you were doing. And when you told me about sleeping in Port Authority or like finding someone to hook up with because you didn't have a place to stay, like that was deeply concerning to me. Yeah. Especially with your your history as a survivor of, you know, sexual assault and so many other things. I was like, this is this is dangerous. Yeah. And I remember like you would try and get a speaking gig or something to like cover your place travel. to stay <laughs> and your travel. But I was like, here's a key to my apartment. Come over anytime. Like do not sleep in Port Authority. And oh God. I like such totally a time. forgot about this. Such a time. It was such a time. I also feel like, I mean, I definitely think that when we, you know, we started originally working together, like as a, you know, video team, and then it kind of morphed then into like, you were really my big sister through a lot of these things. And then it was like, we just became friends and like really good, like sister friends, because like we started realizing how much overlap there was not in our, only in our current lives, like with kind of this, okay, crazy female founder, everything, but also like both being Asian American, like being Japanese American and like having a lot of similar trauma in our lives and like being a big sister. And I feel like, I do think though, that like with moving past a lot of the girl boss hustle culture, like a key component was learning how to rest and then also getting through the scarcity mindset. Right. Yes. Do you yes, want to talk a little bit about like your relationship with rest and yeah, definitely. all of that? And it's like just to our similarities, like I think because, you know, we found each other as like friends, as sisters so early on in our life. Yeah. It's almost like I didn't realize how rare it was to find someone that was so similar in these ways. Like we're both from all female households. Mm-hmm. Like we're both Chinese and Japanese, like both from the West Coast. Like, I don't know, both have moms that are like in somewhat a related field to us and kind of act as like a mentor. Similar trauma bonded relationships. Yes. Relationships, like similar dad issues. Um, And something that I've been thinking about a lot around rest is like how being Asian and being taught about like what a work, like what the proper work ethic is and how to, you know, take pride in this work ethic that's honestly really unhealthy and thinking about it from like intergenerational lens of um, my mom talks about her grandma and how she like had seven kids and birthed them herself and then was up and like folding laundry like hours later, which is in really intense like pace. And then my mom, like, you know, I grew up with a single mom and she would do everything and work all the time. And she would wake up at 4am to like do the work that she needed to do and then make us breakfast and then, you know, bring us to school and then do all of her work and then just continue on day after day. Yeah. So I feel like I didn't grow up with a model of what it looks like to rest. And I think that that has shown up in, in my work and in my pace of work. And I'm really grateful for how, um, you know, how everything happened, but like with the film that we worked on, like after the short was finished, we went right into filming like a feature or a series yeah. and working with these production companies. And right before COVID, like we 
almost had a deal with HBO Max and yeah. we were supposed to have like a docu-series on HBO Max and everything was just moving so quickly. And similarly with my other project, Standing Above the Clouds, like we released a short for that and then went right on to doing a feature. And that is, we're editing right now. It's supposed to be finished. It's on track to be finished by the end of this year. Yeah. But, and I'm, I'm grateful for that, but I'm also just like, whoa, that is not rest. And yeah. I think because of that, I... And maybe this is something that you can relate to, but I didn't even realize it was happening because as a person, like, you know, I'm confident and I love myself. And I always felt like, you know, that was true. Like I'm confident. I love myself. Like things are going well. But when it really came down to it, I realized that a lot of my self-worth was based on these like external successes and validations that were just strung together, like since childhood. Mm -hmm. Like, I think one thing, another thing that makes us really similar is like the way we grew up of like contests and scholarships and, you know, constantly applying to stuff like that yeah. and doing stuff like that. And I think that experience has served me well as a filmmaker because you constantly have to apply to fellowships, apply to yeah. grants, but I think for as long as I can remember, and because both my parents were actors, so I was also doing like child commercials acting. and child <laughs> acting and all of that. And so I think a lot of my self-worth has been based off of, I won this or I did this. And like, you feel good about it for a little bit. And then it's like, okay, what's the next thing? Yeah. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save money on your insurance? Of course you would. After all, who wouldn't love a great deal, right? And when it comes to great rates on insurance for all of the things in your life, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners, condo, or renters coverage. You could save even more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages. Plus, add the easy-to-use Geico mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And choosing to switch to Geico becomes an easy choice. Switch to and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent and get started seeing how much you could save. This show is part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. I think most of us agree that in a functioning democracy, the winner should be determined by the voters. Well, that almost didn't happen in 2020. Now, extremists are working to intimidate and replace nonpartisan election workers with quote-unquote yes-men who might reject election results. The only thing that will stop them is us. We partnered with the grassroots pro-democracy organization, Represent Us, to give you the tools you need to protect free and fair elections. Learn more and get involved. Visit represent.us pod to learn more. What was your like opinion of rest, you know, you, like growing up? Was it, you know, I need to like my mom used to say like, well, you need to sleep to help your brain grow. Right. Mm. But then also there was a lot of talk, I feel like in my family culture around like work ethic, pride and being like you have to work harder than everybody else. Like, yeah. especially when we were going through like more like hard times with financial stability a lot of it was like, we don't have the same cushion. Other people have to work on, you have to work harder. So yeah, you're not like your friends. Exactly. You're not like your little friends. Yeah, you're not like your friends. <laughs> like my mom used to always say like, cause sometimes my friends would get caught with like DUIs and things like that. And she'd be like, they can get away with it. It's wiped from the record. You're going to go to jail because you have to work X times as hard. Like you're going to be judged harder. Yeah. And so I feel like for me, even though it wasn't explicitly said about rest being a waste of time, like that's kind of how I started looking at it, right? Being like, resting or like I'm not calling it resting but like not working not being on the brink of burnout would be not working 
as hard as I should, right? Yeah, I was raised, my mom would tell me when I was growing up that as a woman of color, I need to work four times as hard to get half as far Mm -hmm. because not only are you a woman, but you're also a woman of color and like how those things compound to be like, you have to prove yourself and prove your value that much harder. And now I've come to learn that I don't believe that or subscribe to that. And any space where I have to prove my value like that is not really a space that I want to be in, you know, or something that I want to think really carefully about how I interact with that space. Um, But I feel like with rest, I saw it, I think, growing up as sleeping. As like yeah. rest means sleeping. And like I, I could sleep, so I guess that was fine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think also because as an artist, like it's, it's a little bit more complicated too because it's like, oh, you don't need to rest because your work is something you love. Mm. And your work is art, so that like being creative. It was never said explicitly, but I feel like it's like, oh, you have the privilege of being creative and like doing these things that other people do as hobbies, like as Mm. your work. And maybe it's like other people might do art stuff as like a rest practice. Yeah. But I think like as I became an adult and as I'm doing this more as like work and seeing it as, um, you know, career moves and having some strategy behind it, I think it felt less and less like rest and like something that was rejuvenating. Um, so I think that can be a hard, uh, delineation when it's something that you love what you do. And I'm so grateful obviously to be in that position, but I saw this meme once I was like, quit your nine to five and work 24 seven. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, ouch. But it's very true. (laughs) Yeah. It's really true. And I think that like, I mean, you also talk now and uh, I do as well, I mean, here we are on a podcast and making social media content about resting, right? And like kind of reimagining work ethic and stuff. And I think about this a lot, which is like, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Of being like, oh, I'm going to talk about rest, but I am like also sharing it with the world. And like part of my job is being an influencer. So did I make my practice of self-care motivated by work as well, right? Yeah. Which I think is something like really to hold myself accountable for. And to kind of go back to what you asked earlier of like, you know, what would have happened if we didn't have COVID, right? I think that like, there was a lot, like even if you asked me four years ago, do you identify with the girl boss movement? I'd be like, yeah, I mean, I look up to a lot of, you know, other female founders who are being held up as girl bosses, right? And to what you were saying, like, you know, you have to work X times as hard because of who you are. I think there's some truth to that, right? Like we already do live in a world that will, um, you know, doubt us and we feel like we have something to prove. But it is leading from like a place from a fear and scarcity and it makes yeah. us really competitive. And I think that I definitely didn't have that learning until 2020. And as Tigris audience knows, like in 2020, I also like was also held accountable for like what my actions and reputation as a girl boss, like what that had on outside population too. And I think it was really interesting because like for a lot of people, like when people started saying like, you know, the fuck, fuck the girl boss trope and whatever, like they looked at me from the outside and they were like, yeah, she fits all the things of a girl boss. But I really think that you were the only one because my family wasn't even really around at this time, like really saw what that looks like. Right. And I think that something we don't talk about when we talk about like the the problem, how girl being a girl boss is problematic. Like a lot of the times in society, I think it's talked about in the sense of it's problematic to communities and to other young women who are looking up to these people and hustle culture and what it's perpetuating. But I also think that 
something we miss is like it's also hurtful to the person who's buying into the girl boss trope it's so harmful and from what I saw from that like you know insider point of view and perspective is like just how hard you were working how exhausted you always were and how like unsustainable it felt that pace was but also how I mean it was these like big brand deals it was big like amounts of money that were like flying around and just like huge responsibilities. And there wasn't really any safety net or any, um, any safety net really. And it it was just you. And I think, and you were, I mean, you still are so young. I feel like people don't (laughs) understand like that you're so young and in that time you were even younger. And I think it can be so hard when you're, you know, in, in these kind of spaces and you're, given this responsibility and this like money and exposure at such a young age, because you're still trying to figure out who you are and you yeah. should have the space and the freedom to make mistakes without the responsibility of, um, you know, needing to support like your family or a whole organization or hundreds of thousands of menstruators around the world. And of course that work is in- extremely important and I'll always credit you as the person that introduced me to the entire concept of period poverty. And that's so important. And I think that work is like extremely groundbreaking and extremely necessary and timely and urgent. But I think there's a way that it can be done that isn't, you know, extracting so much from you. And something I've been thinking about a lot is that our society is fundamentally set up to extract labor and money from us. And that's not pleasant. Like that is not a place where we can thrive. That is not a place where we can rest. That is not a place where we can create our best ideas, create our best art, create our best work. And that is what leads into this hustle culture, this grind mentality, this girl bossing too close to the sun, because everything around you is telling you, this is what you should be doing. And your, your family, your, like this whole thing of like ancestors, wildest dreams. I think Sure, there's they'd be really proud of you for, you know, all these accomplishments, but also maybe our ancestors' wildest dreams is that we can rest without guilt. Yeah. And just take a breath and just actually give ourselves the space to create like a radical imagination and imagine different futures for ourselves and different possibilities. Because I think when you're so exhausted, it's like you can only see what's right in front of you and the next thing on this to-do list and the next and the next and the next. And it's only when you have that like space to kind of like breathe and reflect a little bit and think a little bit, you know, further forward, like a little bit um, longer in the distance, like so much great stuff can happen from that. And I feel like that's something that's really necessary for my art, but also just for my life. Yeah. I think something you said really resonated with me around like society telling us to also value ourselves based off of money and worth too, right? Like I think a lot about how like, you know, I think when you and I first met each other, I would always journal about how the thing that would make me feel fulfilled to die, (laughs) which is kind of a dark feeling, is like if I used every part of my being to like make a difference for what I was passionate about, right? And like, I really thought that that was a perfectly healthy way to live. Right. And I I think we would talk about this where I was like, my goal is to use every part of who I am, my mind, my body, my labor, my like every inch of my even image right on social media to like create wealth or opportunity to fight for something I believed in. Right. And like I lived and breathed that mission. Right. Which was 
you know, if you, if you kind of like just talk one-on-one, it's like, okay, that makes sense. You're like, you know, doing the best of your ability to make a difference. But then if you like actually zoom out, it's like, okay, you basically want to like milk yourself for every utility. There's no concept of like how you're feeling, the emotions of it. If you're feeling fulfilled during the moment, it's just like, if I can just like dry myself out as much as possible and then I'm ready to die. Like that is, I, I read through my journals from like the, these, these years. And I just think about that too. But I also think about like how this hustle culture and, you know, the quote unquote girl bossness impacts how we also think of our relationship with other people. Like when you and I reconnected after COVID and like after I had kind of like, you know, after also girl bossness started being called out as like a problematic trope, right? You and I reconnected after a year apart, right? Um, Which was like longer than we had gone over the last four years of knowing each other. And I remember you said something to me, which was like, because we started talking about work and like, you know, filming and blah, blah, blah. And you were like, oh, but I also think it could be good. Maybe we're just friends and we're not actually having to work with each other. Like there's not a contract. And that was also a really big thing for me because um, I think that, you know, in becoming a young entrepreneur at this time, valuing myself on how much money I can make, the opportunity I can bring myself and also like the utility of who I am in my body there's no way that you can separate that from how you value other people. And I think that that's where there's also harm done, which is like, if I look at myself like that, there has, I have to admit that I'm looking at other people like that. And I do think that there are moments where like, I look at the last five years of my life. And even now, like I look at the people I spend time around. Most of them are people who I work with. Like most of them, they're not contracted to be my friend, like not at all, but like the people I happen to allow myself to spend time around or the people who I give myself time to spend time around are people that I work with or have a project with. And I think that there's nothing wrong with working with your friends. To your point, I think that there's something really powerful about surrounding yourself with people that you want to work with and create wealth with and for. But I do think it was like, I, I think about that a lot when you said that, because I think for me, like I've always considered you one of my best friends and like sister friends, but then it was also kind of like this oh yeah, I guess you're right. Like we don't have to work on some yeah. life-changing, career-changing <laughs> and project. I think, well, we still will at some point. Yeah, we will. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I still want to, but I just felt like, I, I feel the same way as you. Like everyone around me that I speak to on a regular basis is people that I work with and they're also my closest friends. Yeah. But one of my friends just said something of like, you know, like, I love you as a friend, but we don't have to work together. And I was like, whoa, that is so true. And so I was just like, I think for right now, like it would be really healing for me if we can just be friends and know that like when we're hanging out, you know, it's just to hang out and it's not like these other purposes. And I think that's something that, I mean, it seems really obvious, but something that really became a realization for me in COVID is like the point of life is just to live. It's not about the value you bring to other people. It doesn't. And I think I was raised with this idea that like your life should have impact. Your life should have meaning, which I do agree with, but it's also like my life should be pleasurable and enjoyable and exciting and fun and restful and easeful just for me. Yeah. And some things can be just for me. They don't have to be for a career move or for a global issue or good. And I think that's something that my ancestors would be really proud of, you know, just knowing that we can just live and frolic and be. And I think especially because both of us, we 
moved into working like at such a young age that maybe we didn't have that time as much younger to just play and explore. And again, as like an artist, I, I feel like I did so much art stuff, so much different programs, like when I was younger and it was really fun and it was enriching, but, um, I don't know. It's only a really specific kind of play that was yeah. also like building for a career. So I think now, um, I'm hoping to be in my live, laugh, love era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I just want to, yeah, do things that are fun and, not take everything so seriously all the time. Yeah. yeah. And I, I also think like, it's not a binary situation where it's like, you're not going to be working anymore. Like, obviously you still are working and like the business is growing. And like, I think about this too, like even in my own life, but like at the same time, it's true. Like, what is the point of working if not to be able to enjoy like what you're creating too, right? And something you said around like, um, you know, you, you, growing up with the message of, like you're living to have a life that is meaningful and like purposeful. I think that's something I really got from my mom. Like, and I think it's part of growing up with like a single survivor mom too, right? Being like, yeah. she, my mom still says like, I, I sacrifice so much. And like, it's kind of the, the burden of you have to make that sacrifice worth it. Right. Yep. And I think for me, like, and I talk about this to my sisters where like, I, we never grew up with the understanding that like the goal in life was to just be able to work a job, make enough money to like live a, a happy life. Right. It was like our mom sacrificed opportunity and herself so that we could be extraordinary. Right. Yeah. And like, we couldn't just go to college, like even going to high school or we would like go to church and my mom would make us like reflect on what we saw and what we thought and be like, what change in the world does that mean you make? Right. And in many ways, it makes me, I'm like thankful for the opportunity it brought me because I similarly like anything from doing doodles, like became a contest that my mom was submitting us for. Right. But I do think it was kind of this tiger mom, not in the tiger mom sense of like straight A's, but it was like, you know, being raised to be, to have a purpose and to have something that was much bigger than yourself. Yeah. Which is a, like has two sides of a coin. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of that too, I was raised with like straight A's are the bare minimum. Yeah. Like it's what you do beyond that. That is what's gonna like be your worth or your value. And something I've been thinking about recently too, is that, um, because we were raised in this system of like grades and it's very definitive and it's very quantifiable. And I feel like when I was growing up, it was like, okay, I have straight A's. Like now I can chill more or maybe yeah. like that's when I knew I could rest. But now like when I am my own boss and I am a filmmaker, I'm a director and there isn't any A's like, there's yeah. no thing that tells me like, okay, now you're good. Uh, it's always more things that can be done. And when you're setting your own deadlines, your own expectations, it can be really, really hard because it's also yourself that you'd be disappointing when you don't do those things or yeah. don't get them. And so now I'm trying to figure out like, how do I define success for myself? And how can that be based in my values? Because I think the systems like in the film space that are set up to evaluate things like these award shows yeah. and things like that, like they're not really rooted in the values that I have. So I don't want to have that be the barometer of how I feel about my own work or my own life. And I think a lot of times that like, um, money is the thing that's most easily quantifiable, like beyond the grades, like I yeah. guess when you're an adult, 
So I think that sometimes money is the easiest way to be like, oh, how am I doing? Can I relax? Like, oh, well, I have this much money or I'm making this much money. And I also don't want to base my life or my understanding of my value of myself on money because that's also rooted in capitalist races, you know, all of these constructs. And that's not something that, you know, I want to hold to myself as like my own vision of success. So I don't know. That's like a question I guess I could pose out to the audience of like, how do you define your own version of success? Like, especially as an artist or a filmmaker or being your own boss, like what does that mean for you? And how can that include rest and living a good life? Cause I think growing up, like those were not things that were included in my own vision of what it was. Yeah. I mean, I think it it really goes back to like, I think as a young person or especially as like a young girl, you're always asked like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And like, what do you want to do? And like, you know, what kind of lifestyle do you want to live? And I, so we talk about like careers and, you know, lifestyle, like I want to have X number of houses. I want to live here, but it's not really like, oh, I want to live a really like happy life where I get to sleep 10 hours a night. And like, I surround myself with good people, you know? And I think it's something that, you know, there are a lot of questions that we can pose. Um, Jelena and I are going to do many more episodes because we have so much to talk about. Um, (laughs) And I do think that like, we're kind of ending this on a note of like, here are all the questions. Like we're very much a work in progress in this, right? Like it was literally two years ago that you and I were like traveling around doing multiple fellowships. Like you're working on multiple documentaries, traveling Hawaii and back and Hawaii and back. And you still are doing that. Um, So yeah, Jelena and I will be back. Can I say one thing of like advice? I feel like I wish that I could tell my younger self or like tell your audience, regardless of their age, to just give themselves more rest and just trust that they're on the path that they want to be on. I think oftentimes like we can be so forward focused and like, these are all the things that I need to do. These are all the things that I'm not doing yet, but I wish that I could see and cherish and really feel and celebrate all the things that I was doing Mm -hmm. and all the experiences that I was creating and how that was, you know, bringing me on the path that I wanted to be on and trust that the universe will take care of the rest. And it doesn't always have to be you. That's like pushing to make everything happen. Yeah. Well, and it shouldn't always be you. It should not. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's part of also learning like to share, right. And like to share all of these opportunities and all of that. And I think that's responsibility too. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Which I think, you are also still, we're both still learning yeah. how to do it. <laughs> Jelena just told me the other day, yeah, like I was working on our like taxes or something. And I was like, I why were you doing that? Like <laughs> delegate that. <laughs> so we're all still learning, but yes. I agree. I also think the last thing I'll say is like, I feel like people might hear my story and they're like, oh, but you were doing so much, right? Like you were accomplishing so much. Was it worth not sleeping? To me, like looking back, I'm like, no. And I still think that I'm, even more productive now, but I sleep eight hours a night and I'm actually like living in a present moment and conscious. Like I'm not dissociated all day. I'm like actually living it. And I, I think I'm more productive and like, I think I'm finding just as much pace and success, but in a healthy way. And so it really is learning like sleep as a tool. Yeah. And maybe it's even shifting, like, is our goal to be the most productive or is our goal to live like a happy, healthy, and full life? Yeah. Cause I think for me, it's the second, it's the latter. Like I want to live a happy, healthy and full life surrounded by people that I love. And then it's just about figuring out how to get to that place. (laughs) And I think I'm still, I'm a little bit behind on that because I definitely recognize like when I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn how to love sleep. My first thought is 
because sleep will help me be more productive rather than like sleep makes me a happy person. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm still getting there. But anyways, we're so excited that you joined us for this episode of Tigress and we'll be back next Wednesday continuing our conversation. So yeah, again, thank you so much to our DCP team. Um, and we made it all the way to Times Square, which is our like least favorite part of New York City, but it's fine. <laughs> um, but we come here for the DCP team and we will back, be back soon. Talk to you next Wednesday. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.